Hey everyone, welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Just a quick note before today's episode. This summer, we're completing our series of introduction videos with our final season of filming, and we still need to raise about $30,000 to cover those costs, and we would love you to help us with that. And you can do that by visiting the Spoken Gospel website and clicking on Donate. And by doing that, you can contribute to bringing books like the Book of Revelation to life. And whether that's through a one-time gift or a monthly donation, your support makes all the difference in the world. So thank you so much and enjoy today's podcast. Jesus being the final sacrifice brings finality and yeah. rest and a conclusion to that. And so now there's no longer any toil. There's no other sacrifice to make. There's no other work to do. There's no other sojourn to go on. Jesus right. is the final sacrifice so that we can be present with God. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told his disciples that every part of the Bible is about him. In each episode, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and his good news. Let's jump in. All right, well, welcome everyone to Holy Monday. This is the second day of Holy Week. Yesterday, we looked at Palm Sunday. Today is Holy Monday, the day that Jesus cleanses the temple. Yes. Right? That's okay, right. so Seth, why should everybody be really oh. excited about our conversation here oh, for man. Holy well, Monday? Well, if Jesus making a homemade whip doesn't get you excited. <laughs> I mean, excited, that, that'll, that'll do it. Jesus is coming in as a rival king. Right, he rides Roman in on a rival king. Power, That's rival and king. very specifically here, he's coming into the temple as a rival to the temple system and the system the religious establishment are currently running in Israel. Okay. Is it fair to say that like Palm Sunday was maybe more political and Holy Monday has more of a religious side to it being at the temple? Potentially. But there's also... I think that... Uh, potentially. Okay. Potentially. I think potentially. Okay. But what's interesting is the only way the religious establishment can actually get Jesus killed is by pretending... His political ambitions were higher than they were. Oh, that to claim yeah. he's calling himself the king of the Jews, even right. though he never said that. Uh -huh. All their problems with him are based around preserving their power in Israel at the time, whether that's of the temple itself yeah. or their relationship with Rome. But they have to give Rome a good reason to yeah. kill Jesus. So they're pulling on all these messianic hopes that okay. he never claimed for himself. But with, when he talks to Pilate later, he says, yeah. of course, my kingdom is not of this earth. And then Pilate says, yeah, you're right. You're not guilty. <laughs> right. Anyway. But in a sense, Jesus is being a king, right? He's yes. fulfilling the he Solomonic uh, entrance that we talked about mm -hmm. uh, yesterday as he's riding in on the donkey. He's coming as Jehu on the laid down cloaks of the people to come and tear down idolatry. That's right. And like, That's so right. it's like he's being a king. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that when Jesus, the king rides into town, he goes straight to the temple, mm -hmm. right? And I would kind of expect that in this time, and even as a pilgrim coming yeah. to Jerusalem for Passover, yeah. whether you were the king coming home from a conquering battle 
or you're just a sojourner on your way into Jerusalem, what you should do is you come into Jerusalem mm -hmm. and you go to the temple and you make a sacrifice to God. That's right. That's what you would do. As the king, you would do it as a way to say thank you to God for your victory in battle that you're coming in from. Or as a pilgrim, you would come in, I'm in Jerusalem, let me get my animal and make yeah. a sacrifice. Now I can enjoy my Passover week. Yes. But Jesus doesn't make a sacrifice. He actually does the opposite. He stops the sacrificial system for a second. He yeah. comes in and he starts. Well, specifically, he stops the buying and selling of yes. animals inside a place called the Court of the Gentiles. Okay, let's talk about the Court of the Gentiles for a yeah. second. Yeah, so this was somewhat of an innovation as the temple developed. So this wasn't in the like the Exodus map out of how the, uh, the no. tabernacle or temple was supposed to be built. No, it wasn't. Okay. But this was the place designated by the religious establishment where Gentiles, people of non-Jewish descent, Yep could worship God and pray and worship. Right. And I remember the, uh, that you have the court of the Gentiles and then you have another court where you had to be a Jew to go into. That's right. And I, I think Paul got in trouble for being accused of bringing right. non-Jews into that part. That's right. So you have this extra layer of buffer. Yes. Yes. For Gentiles to live in and work yes. in. And so do. already the temple isn't operating as it should be. Okay. There should be a space where all people mm -hmm. can come and not be separated from access to God and the ability to offer a sacrifice. Okay. Because in the outer court where everybody's allowed to come. That's right. You're saying that there's not a law in Exodus or anything that's that right. says that. Jews and Gentiles must be separated. Okay. So that's an innovation, that's an innovation. by this religious establishment. So they've added a separate layer to of, exclude Gentiles. Okay. And see. then Caiaphas, along with his father-in-law, set up a new innovation in mm -hmm. which they start selling animals inside the court that of the Gentiles. Court. I see. Which would have meant money changing, haggling, a livestock market, manure, yep. loud animals, basically making the court of the Gentiles no longer a functional place of worship. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and what they're doing there is um, they are trying to provide a service that the law actually required. Right. The law said, hey, if you live really far away and you can't bring your animal all the way from where you live to the place of sacrifice, right. bring some money. That's right. When you get to Jerusalem, buy the animal. That's right. And sacrifice it. That's totally fine. Yes. So what they're the idea of buying an animal for sacrifice That's is actually wrong. is actually provided in the law. Right. But what you're saying is that where that maybe would have happened outside the temple and actually that economic system might have benefited a lot of the Jerusalem inhabitants. Right. Caiaphas has centralized That's right. that economic s system to gain power over it. And not only that, he's brought it into a place of worship and prayer. That's right. And he's turned that into this place of market. That's right. Okay. And so it makes it impossible for Gentiles to worship God. Functionally, uh, yeah, functionally, yeah, in in a in a in any kind of reverential right. way. That's right. It's not a holy environment that they're in there. Yeah, and I think most and a lot of scholars will also point out like there might have been something shady going on as well with the way in which these things were being sold. Maybe they were extorting. Maybe they were price gouging. Maybe they were taking advantage of the poor. The textual evidence is a little sparse, but yep. what we know of the Pharisees and the Sadducees from elsewhere in Scripture seems to make sense of that interpretation. Regardless, yep. when Jesus comes into the temple and starts knocking over things, he says in the, in the book of Mark, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all, all nations, nations, and you have made it a den of robbers. Yep. So instead of a place of worship for all people. Yep. So he's picking up on that Jew-Gentile divide there. That's right. Okay. 
you have made it a place to hoard wealth for yourself mm -hmm. at the expense of the nations. Yeah. So he's good. he's criticizing mm -hmm. the temple because it is failing its purpose to be a light to the world, right. to be a place where everyone can be thankful to God and receive forgiveness yeah. for their sins. And this seems to have always been happening. Even like from day one that the temple was founded, someone always seems to be messing it up. It's like almost never seemed to run <laughs> exactly perfectly. Even Aaron's sons, like the first high priest, mm -hmm. they in Leviticus, are, are they're told that they brought strange fire. They did something That's right. wrong. And, yeah. uh, and God's and, priesthood is, doesn't have a great track, track record, record. <laughs> of doing what God intended for them right. to do. Right. And I'm even thinking of like a lot of the, uh, well, uh, let's look at the major prophet, Jeremiah, mm. who's quoted here. Yes. He quotes Jeremiah 7, that uh, you've, you've turned my house into a den of robbers. That's that's from Jeremiah 7. And Jeremiah is critiquing the same thing. He's standing at the temple gate in Jeremiah 7. And as people are coming in, streaming past Jeremiah with their sacrifices and to go about their praise, he's critiquing them and basically telling them, yeah. what you're doing is all religious jargon and you're just going through the motions and God's not accepting your sacrifices. Like That's right. you've like what's happening at the temple is fundamentally broken. And so Jesus is pulling on this long standing prophetic thread from Jeremiah all through the minor prophets and he's saying something has to change. That's right. At the temple. That's right. It's kind of always been wrong. But yes. what's interesting is it's not temple reform right, that he offers, uh, which is right. what the prophets have always said. So like the Meaning like, okay, all we need is the right priest that's right. and the right leadership. Come on, priest, repent. And like, yeah. let's get it right. Jesus yeah. is like, here's what we're going to do instead. We're going to shut it down. And the reason why we can get there is because you're right. How do people offer sacrifices that have been traveling for 100 miles by buying it while they're in Jerusalem? Yep. But if he's shutting down one of the few places you can actually buy it, yep. you're functionally shutting down the sacrificial system for a time. Just for a moment. Yep. And you're saying no more of this. Right. And you're like, well, this is this isn't just a critique of the potential injustice yep. of them. This is a stopping of the God ordained means by which all nations right. can be forgiven and have access to God. Right. And so if Jesus is coming in and he's saying, shut it down, no more sacrifices. Well, I mean, what are you gonna do? How are people, how are all nations going to be reconciled to God if they don't have sacrifices for their sins? And what's interesting is, as we noted yesterday with Palm Sunday, Jesus is riding in on a beast that's never been ridden before. It's a sacrificial symbol. And once he stops all sacrifices, who's standing there? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's saying, I will be the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. I will be the one who's going to facilitate as both sacrifice and priest what yeah. is actually supposed to happen in this temple. Right. And we said before that when Jesus comes in on a donkey, he's repeating the Solomon story. That's right. And so what's interesting is when he comes in the temple, he throws down all these money changers, all the poor and the lame and the blind mm. in this space all recognize Jesus as a messianic figure. The mm -hmm. children start saying, blessed is the son of David, yeah. which is would have been Solomon, right? right. Or, yep. or Jesus himself. And what does Solomon do? He built a new temple. Yes. So, and oh, it, yeah, and as soon as Jesus leaves the temple here, it, he's going to talk about destroying the temple. That's right. Yep. This is, this is exactly right. So he's, he, he even calls it my house. Yes. Which is kind of like, a shocking statement. Right. And he's, quote, he's quoting. He's quoting. He's quoting. But it's a wink. 
But it's a wink, especially yeah. when you start just poking the eye of the religious establishment and say, right. what you're doing is wrong. My house shall be called My a house, house of prayer. My house shall be called a house of yeah. prayer, and which is exactly what the religious establishment picks up on because the next several chapters is all questioning his what authority. authority do you have right. to say anything that you've just said? Yeah. Who do you think you are coming in here tell saying these, my house? Tell these children to stop calling you a son of David. He's like, oh, you know, from the mouth of babes. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah, That's, That's good. exactly right. Okay. So Jesus stops the sacrificial system, brings judgment against the temple system as prophets have always done, mm-hmm. says that he's the new sacrifice. That's right. Not says, but prophetically demonstrates that he's the new sacrifice. But then also, as we're saying now, not only is he the new sacrifice, is he the new prophet bringing rebukes against the broken temple system? He then, in shutting down the sacrificial system for a second, leaving the temple and then saying it's going to be destroyed, yeah. he's saying that there's going to be a new temple, like Solomon built a new temple. That's right. But he's going to say that it's the temple of his body. That's right. So he's also the new temple. Yes. Because this one's going down, which is really interesting too, because. As he was riding in on this donkey, as you said yesterday, as a new rival king, it's interesting that he is also, and I'm going to go real nerdy here, he's also like a new king of Babylon riding against Israel's temple to destroy it. That's interesting. Right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what the prophets all predicted. All predicted that Babylon would would come in. That's right. So Jesus rides as king against the temple, says, I'm going to destroy it, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to build a new one. But that new one is going to be my resurrected body. So like with all things during <laughs> Holy Week, all of these events are packed with so much They're symbolic. so meaning. loaded. So why is it good news yeah. that Jesus replaces the sacrificial system? Yeah. Why is it good news that he's a new temple? Yeah. And why is it good news he knocks over the tables in the court of the Gentiles? Yeah. I think those are like the three categories okay. we set up. Yeah. I'll take one. Uh, I'll take one too. Okay. And we'll split the second one. Okay. Third one. <laughs> Which one are you taking? I'll take the tables. Okay, we've already, great. We've already, we've already established this. The tables were in the wrong place. Mm, yeah. They should not have been preventing non-Jews from accessing God's goodness, his grace, his life-giving power, and his forgiveness. Mm. Jesus comes in and says, no, I will build a new house for God's people that will include all people. It will not be built off the ethnic divisions of your current religious establishment. Yeah. I'm building a global kingdom. Right. Where all people are invited and all people can access God. Yeah. So you're saying it's good news that no matter where you come from, no That's matter right. what your background is, you can have equal access to God in Christ. And it will not be hamstrung yeah. by corrupt priests. Right. It will not be hamstrung by a ruling class guarding access to God's presence. Right. God's presence is available for all people at all times, anywhere, through Jesus. Yes. And then uh, let's talk about why it's good news that Jesus interrupted the sacrificial system, right? Because, I mean, you look at the sacrificial system, and we have to understand first and foremost, which I think is hard for a lot of us to do, that it was an act of grace, that God provided access to his presence in the temple, in the tabernacle, through substitutionary atonement. Like, what yes. a gift of grace. Right. Because God was living in Israel. Yeah. He lived in the temple. And he's like, I want to keep dwelling with I you. I want to keep staying here. Yeah. But in order for me to stay here, all sin has to be atoned for. Must be wiped out, must be cleansed, must be right. atoned for. And in order for my presence to be with you. And so the way that we're going to do that, so the way that I can stay with you, the way I can be with you always, yep. come and offer the sacrifice of the temple, right. and then all will be forgiven. So God provided a way for him to dwell with his people. That's Amazing right. act of grace. I don't want to like demonize the sacrificial no. system. But 
look at even how Hebrews describes how difficult and repetitive and almost mundane that system was. Uh, the priests had to do it every day, over and over again, right? If you read Leviticus and you look at all the infractions that you can you, you can right, rack right. up, it's like, well, got to do another sacrifice, yeah. you know? It's just this constant system of atoning for your sins. That's right. So that you can be in God's presence. And when Jesus puts a stop to that and the the clatter in the temple rests for a second and all you see is Jesus, the final sacrifice standing above it all, yeah. I just get this picture of rest and it's like uh, it is finished. Yeah. And like Jesus being the final sacrifice brings finality and yeah. rest and a conclusion to that. And so now there's no longer any toil. There's no other sacrifice to make. There's no other work to do. There's no other sojourn to go on. Jesus right. is the final sacrifice so that we can be present with God. So I think that's why it's good news is yeah. that there's nothing else to do. Jesus well, has done it all. And what did sacrifice do? Mm. Sacrifice made it possible for God to remain with his people. Yes. And now he's saying, I will offer the sacrifice necessary to remain with my people always. Yeah. No more of this. I'm providing the sacrifice myself and it will be available to you always. And I love too that the people he makes it available to, the people who come around him after he clears the temple mm-hmm. are those who had traditionally been kept out of the temple. Like, you know, the lame yeah. and the disfigured. That's right. You know, they mm-hmm. kind of had some exclusion happening. Right. They probably would have only been allowed in the court of the Gentiles. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And then the poor, what if they couldn't afford the high prices to even get a little right. bird to sacrifice, right. you know, uh, and Jesus is like, I'll be your sacrifice. Come and buy without money. You know, it's just this amazing thing that Jesus is providing the final rich sacrifice yeah. for the poorest and the outcast. And yeah. it's finished. The final thing we said was the temple, uh, the temple. And I think we've hit on a lot of what was a temple for yep. a place in which God's presence could live right. and a place in which you could remain close to God by offering right. sacrifice. It's a place where the Garden of Eden could come back. Right. Right. And so apart from that, though, the temple of Israel was always prone to corruption. Right. And whenever you have a system run by humans. Yeah, a centralized locus of power. You will always have corruption. That's right. You will always have something go wrong. Jesus promises to make it impossible for his new temple to be corrupted again. Mm. He's building, and we'll talk about that, I think, a little bit tomorrow, yeah. but like an indestructible, incorruptible church in himself. Yeah. And that's the new religious order that's replacing the one that Jesus wrote against. It's good. So that that's is Holy, Holy Monday. Monday. Jesus cleaning the temple. Tomorrow is... Holy Tuesday. Holy Tuesday. What happens on Holy Tuesday? Jesus curses a fig tree <laughs> and then says, if you want to curse your own fig trees, you have to have a lot of faith. Yeah. And if you, you can throw a mountain into throw the mountain. water. Yeah. So we're going to talk about what that means. Okay. I'm excited. Well, thank you all for joining us on Holy Monday. Uh, we'll continue our walk yeah. through Holy Week tomorrow with Holy Tuesday. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals, and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next time.